Man, I am so grateful for an awesome, awesome Easter weekend last weekend. Uh, 13 people surrendered their lives to Jesus. We're celebrating that all week long. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. And I want to thank all of the volunteers who, who served in all the different ways on our parking team and kids ministry all over the campus. Thank you for your faithful service to this family and to our broader community. Can we thank all of our volunteers who served last weekend? All right, we're going to continue on in our parable series. You know, our, our brains are hardwired for survival. Uh, in, in fact, our brains are hardwired to look for and fixate on negative information or on potential dangers or, or threats. And it's, it's what psychologists call our morbid curiosity and fixation with crisis. This is why um, we all slow down near car accidents and why there are so many car accidents near car accidents. Right, and today we're going to look at a parable that has some, some pretty sobering warnings for us. And this parable, you, you sort of, what's leading up to it, the context for it, you sort of look at these things and it's easy to become fixated on the negative, fixated on the, what seems to be a coming crisis. And the parable that we're looking at, it, it can take us to a point where we move from preparedness to paranoia. Uh, and, and we move from being uh, just simply ready for what Jesus is, is doing for his return, uh, being ready, just keeping track of what's unfolding in our world today, sort of the signs of the end of the age. And it can take us from where we're just, we're ready uh, to almost an obsessiveness that can times border on idolatry or at least distraction from the main thing. And, and before we jump into the parable in Matthew chapter 25, the parable that we're looking at is the parable of the 10 bridesmaids or the 10 virgins. That's in Matthew 25. You can go ahead and turn there. But before we jump into that parable, there's a bit of context work that we have to do. Because in Matthew 24, leading up to this parable, Jesus gives a detailed description of what is going to unfold in the world. He gives a detailed description of the signs of the end of the age, and when you read it, you can't help but feel like there is a coming crisis, and it sure feels like an accurate description of the world that we're living in today. And he's speaking with his disciples, and I love the fact that they just come right out and ask him, they say, Jesus, what, what are the signs of the end of the age? What are the signs of, of your return, of your coming? And so this is a summary of Matthew chapter 24. Here's just a list of some of the things that Jesus mentions. He says there's going to be false teachers. We see that in our world today. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Pretty easy to see. Nation is going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be severe persecution against the church. We see that all around the world and we see uh, an increase in social persecution in the United States. There's going to be an increase in famines and, and earthquakes. The intensity and frequency of natural disasters is going to increase. There's going to be an increase in evil and wickedness. Pretty easy to see. Many believers will begin to fall away. 
Within the, the family of God, there's going to be an increase in betrayals and hatred toward one another. There's going to be confusion and deception in the world, distress and desolation. And we hear all of that, and, and it's pretty easy to see as we look out at the world, that's kind of where we are. I mean, these things are sort of unfolding in, in our world today, especially if you're I mean, you, you watch any of the mainstream media or you open a newspaper, if you still read one of those, or if you're looking on, on your phone, it's easy to see all of these things are sort of unfolding in our world. And it's, it's not just in our country, it's all around the world. And in all the signs that Jesus gives us, what's so fascinating is when we read through Matthew 24, we get fixated on the, the negative things that are gonna unfold in our world. We get so hyper-focused on those things that we actually miss the incredible directives that Jesus gives us, the commands that Jesus gives us all throughout Matthew 24. We completely miss the instructions that Jesus gives us in the chapter because according to Jesus, this is how we should respond to these things playing out in our world. This is what he says in Matthew 24, verse six. He says, see that you are not alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Don't be surprised when these things begin to happen. Jesus, Jesus said 2,000 years ago, these things are going to happen. And yet, I don't know about you, I still find myself surprised when these things are unfolding. Right, he says, don't be alarmed. In other words, it's good to be aware. It's not godly to be alarmed. It's good to be prepared. It's not godly to be paranoid. Because paranoia is self-focused fear. Self-absorbed fear. It's good to be prepared. It's not godly to be paranoid. Jesus also says in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's a promise. That's good news. Hold fast. Keep watch. Verse 31, Jesus says, and he will, uh, it says, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they, the angels, will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That's good news. You know, when I was a new believer, it, it, it always was a bit confusing to me. Uh, there, there were some very public figures in, in Christian circles that were constantly trying to predict the day and the hour that Jesus would return. And I, I remember watching that as a new believer just going, I, I don't understand because Jesus literally speaks to that issue. And this is what he says, verse 36. But Jesus says this, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Not even Jesus knows the day or the hour. And yet somehow, with our limited, finite human understanding, we are going to figure it out. I don't think so, right? Give up. You're not gonna predict the day. And the thing that was so amazing to me is somebody would predict a day and then it wouldn't happen and then they would predict a different day. It's like, dude, read the scripture. It's pretty clear. So what Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, number one, don't be alarmed. Number two, stand firm till the end. 
Number three, he will gather all of his people. And number four, and this is where we get into our parable, keep watch. Because in verse 42, Jesus says, therefore, stay awake. Therefore, keep watch. Be ready. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Keep watch. Stay vigilant. Don't get lazy. Pay attention and be ready. And with all of that as a backdrop, Jesus gives us the parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids, and those words are interchangeable. It's simply referring to a young woman who was not yet married that was in a bridal party. All right, and this is the parable in Matthew 25, starting at verse 1. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. And five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. And Jesus says, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. It's a pretty sobering parable. It's interesting, on the night uh, and early morning of November 12th and 13th of 1833, those that were awake um, were able to witness between 50,000 and 150,000 meteors falling from the sky per hour. Uh, it's referred to as the night the stars fell. And what's so unbelievable about this night is people ac across the, the south, and anybody that's watching this, a, a lot of people believe that, that Jesus was coming back. Like this was a sign of the return of Jesus. And what happened is slave owners across the south, in light of what they thought was the inevitable return of Jesus that evening, they went to those who they had enslaved and they asked for their forgiveness. They set them free and helped them reconcile with family members that they'd been separated from. And that they took action because they believed Jesus was coming back. Which tells us an enormous amount about what the slave owners really believed about slavery. The next day, they realized that Jesus hadn't come back, and guess what they did? They went and found the people they had just set free, the men, women, and children, and re-enslaved them. And as awful and as horrific as that is, as horrendous as that is, it reveals something about the human heart. Because we think that Jesus being delayed in his return means that we can get away with sin. 
that we can get away with wrongdoing and that it will remain hidden and we'll just make it right in the end and just sort of skirt our way into the kingdom of God. And what this parable tells us is that's not the way it's gonna work. That's not the way it's gonna work. In other words, get ready now and stay ready. Because if you wait until the bridegroom shows up to get ready, it's gonna be too late. And it's pretty clear to see that in this parable, Jesus is the bridegroom, right? And so who are we? Well, we are both the bride, or the church, and we are in the bridal party. We have a responsibility here because what the parable tells us is make no mistake, Jesus is coming back. He is coming back for his bride. And there will be those who are ready, those who are awake, those who are alert and keeping watch, and then there will be those who are unprepared, who haven't been keeping watch, who fell asleep, who, who are not ready. Now, let me, let me give some cultural context around uh, th this wedding, because a Jewish wedding would last up to a week, sometimes longer. And the bridal party's job was to get the bride ready for the wedding, and then to go somewhere and wait for the arrival of the bridegroom. And their job, the bridal party's job, would be to lead the groom to the bride, so it's like a processional, lead the groom to the bride for the wedding ceremony, and then lead both the bride and the groom to the banquet, which would be held at the groom's house, and there, that's where the whole community would gather, and there would be a celebration for days over the union of that, that marriage. And sometimes if the groom was delayed for some reason, he wouldn't show up until it was dark. And so what they would need to do, what the bridal party would need to do would be to be prepared with oil and with lamps so that when the groom shows up, they would have light to lead the groom to the bride and then lead them with light to the banquet. And so this is literally their one job, to be ready with oil and with a lamp, and when you think lamp, it was more like a torch. They would take, um, they, they would wrap a, 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 a branch in linen, dip it in olive oil, which was very slow burning, and so their job was to be ready with those lamps or their torches in order to lead the groom to the bride. And we're not told why five of these bridesmaids didn't bring enough oil. Maybe they didn't think the groom was going to uh, take so long. Maybe... They overestimated how long their, their lamps would stay lit, but there's a problem. If there's no oil, there's no fuel, there's no fire. If there's no fire, there's no light. If there's no light, there's no procession. If there's no procession, there's no wedding. If there's no wedding, there's no banquet. Now, that's a problem. And with that, that understanding, you look at the five who did not bring enough oil and you just look at that and go, you had one job. This was literally your one job, kind of like these people. That's not gonna work out so well. Right, or, or this next one takes a little bit of explaining. Um, a for apple, B for butterfly, caterpillar drum, nest. 
If only there was something in the nest that started with the letter E. All right, this next one. Um, Y'all haven't been to Australia, but that's Australian bananas right there. It's a little different. I'm really concerned about this next one. I don't know what's happening to this person. I, I don't know who is going to decide to park there, but whoever does, I'm really concerned about, okay? Or this last guy, he got every letter wrong, except S. He got one out of four letters in the right place. Or for me, yesterday, I'm at my kid's soccer game, and I, look, I, I had one job, wear sunscreen. Okay, I got, I got a little burned yesterday. And about two hours in, I realized I had made a horrible mistake. But listen, they had these, this bridal party, they had one job. They had one job. Bring enough oil for your lamps so that you can welcome the groom and lead the groom to the bride. That was their one job. And what's so interesting about this is while only five bridesmaids forgot to bring enough oil, all 10 of them actually fell asleep. All 10 of them fell asleep. They all had the same invitation. They all had the same job description. They all had the same responsibility and they all fell asleep. Okay, this is so applicable for the church right now. Being faithful and keeping watch and being ready can become so exhausting and discouraging sometimes because after a while, we're watching the world around us get darker and darker and darker by the day. And it causes some of us to become alarmed. There's an obvious increase in evil and wickedness in the world, deception and confusion in the world. Like, just somehow, okay, somehow, people that moments ago were all about science have completely thrown out just biology 101. Okay, and we're now giving women's athletics awards and trophies to men who decide to just, for some strange reason, decide to say that they're women and are allowed to compete. And then what's also interesting to me is the feminist movement who apparently stands for equitable treatment of biological women are strangely silent while biological males infiltrate and beat out actual women in women's athletics. What planet are we on? And the fact that we have to clarify, well, is she female or is she biologically female? Like, it's... it's, It is a bit alarming, if we're honest. The fact that an enormous amount of Williamson County residents have consistently and clearly voiced opposition to the Franklin Pride Festival on public taxpayer property here in Franklin, even though that community violated their permit last year by hosting a drag show on public property, they were not held accountable by the city council for their actions, and on top of all of that, there are pastors in Williamson County that have written in to the, to the, the, the city council 
to voice their support of us hosting the Franklin Pride Festival at Harlansdale Farms this year. And I, I look at that, and I look at these things unfolding in our world, and while emotionally I hear these things and, and I get alarmed, I, I just, like the increase in false teachers, that's what this is. That's what this is. For a pastor who is responsible to represent God to people, to voice this word, not our word, his word, to the world, I, I, like if you're one of those pastors, I just want to ask you, what Bible are you reading? What authority are you submitted to? Right, and we see these things unfolding in our world, and I don't know about you, but it just makes me go, Jesus, it's getting real weird down here. Can you come back? I'm ready. I would like to go home, like any day now. You know, at least maybe I'll slip into a mild coma until the trumpet sounds, and then I'll wake up, right? But, but this parable is, is a warning, it's a warning to us, church. It's a warning to believers, but it's also an encouragement. Because here's the deal, as the days get darker and darker and darker, the more tempting it's going to become to check out, to fall asleep. But as the day gets darker, the more the light is needed. The more your light is needed. It says, in the parable that the groom was delayed. We don't know why he was delayed. He was waiting for something. Do you want to know why Jesus hasn't come back yet? Why he's waiting, delaying his return? Scripture tells us, 2 Peter 3, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some, like me, count slowness, but he's patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Church, we have a job to do. We have a responsibility to be ready with light in a world that is getting darker and darker and darker by the day, not to be alarmed by the darkness. Jesus told us, don't be surprised, it's coming. Not to be alarmed but to be aware, to be alert, and to be ready with light. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, the reason why he hasn't come back yet, he's waiting for you. He's waiting on you. Jesus believes that your salvation is worth waiting for. Jesus believes that all of those lost, deceived, confused people out there are worth waiting for. And we, we, see, this is where the church needs to begin to live on mission, to take our light into dark places. And we need to understand that that door, the door to, to the banquet, is not going to remain open forever, right? There will come a time when those doors are going to close, and every single one of us is either going to be on the inside or the outside of that party. And I don't know about you, but I want everyone I know, everyone I come in contact with to be on the inside of that party. I'm going to take as many people with me as possible. 
So church, now is not the time to fall asleep. Now is not the time to check out or to grow weary in doing good. Don't get discouraged because what we do, how we live, the way we love one another and the way we love and care for lost people, the kindness we show to lost, hurting, broken, confused, deceived people, the kindness that we show while refusing to compromise on biblical morality and capital T truth, it matters. It matters more than you may ever realize. So stay alert. Keep watch. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. And if you hear all of that, and you look at what's unfolding in the world, and you see the signs, you you see the world getting darker and darker, if it fills your heart with worry, with anxiety, with fear, let me just remind you, 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If you have Jesus, you have perfect love. And he's got you. (laughs) And if we need some additional encouragement, read the end of the story. Because Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, we win. Right? When Jesus comes back, yes, he, he doesn't come back as the suffering servant. He comes back as a conquering king. He's riding on a white horse with his robe and sword dipped in blood, a big old tattoo on his thigh that reads King of Kings and Lord of Lords, just in case we forgot who he was, and he'll gather us up all together and we're going home. Listen, I'm so excited for this. I can't wait to pull up a seat at that heavenly table and enjoy some heavenly meat. It's gonna be awesome. What is that gonna be like? I hope there's meat. Maybe there is. I don't know. And and look, when that trumpet sounds and Jesus is coming, I'm not that fast, but I'm gonna beat every one of y'all there. (laughs) I'm beating y'all to Jesus. Last year in the Dominican Republic, Charlie Prey and I, after uh, sharing the gospel with a, a Dominican baseball team, for some strange reason, we decided to challenge them to a foot race. We got smoked. Okay, but when that trumpet sounds, I'm kicking into a different gear, y'all. I'm gonna sprint to Jesus. I'm gonna be the first one at his feet. No more, look, no more pain, no more opinions, praise God. No more social media. No more confusion, no more deception, no more sin. It's going to be a good day. And we're all going to gather around one throne to worship one king with one song, the song of heaven. And we're all going to agree on the song. And no one's going to complain about the volume. (laughs) And it's going to be awesome. And we're going to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
who was and is and is to come. We're going to sing, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And we're going to join the wedding feast of the Lamb, and it is going to be the best party ever. It's going to be awesome. And as good as that day is going to be, we need to remember and recognize that there is a point of no return. One day, one day the groom is gonna close the door. And there are going to be those who are on the outside. I say, well Rob, that's what I don't like about Christianity. I mean, I can't stand the idea of God closing the door. Well, let me, let me just remind you of something, that we close that door, okay? And it's the grace of Jesus, the sufferings of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus that made that door open for us. Okay? And the beautiful reality is that door is still open today. (laughs) The door's still open. And if you would just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the promise of Scripture is that you will be saved you will be saved you know what that's called it's called grace he's a God of grace and what's amazing to me is if I were God this whole thing would have been wrapped up a long time ago (laughs) right and yet God in his mercy and patience not desiring that anyone should be lost has left the door open to you one more day that's grace you know, some of the bridesmaids, they, they didn't share their oil with the others. And you look at that and you go, man, that's pretty stingy. <laughs> you didn't share your oil. There's, there's a lot of symbolism here, but this is what I want to draw out from this. You can't enter the wedding on borrowed oil. You are responsible, like B-Y-O-O. You, you can't enter the kingdom by riding the coattails of somebody else's faith, right? You, you might have been raised in church. Your grandparents made it, might have been missionaries, but at the end of the day, if you're basing your entrance in the kingdom of God on somebody else's faith, this parable tells you you're not getting in. You can't get into the wedding on borrowed oil. You are responsible for your faith. You are responsible for how you respond to the gospel. You are responsible for what you think and believe about Jesus. You are responsible for your relationship with Jesus and you are responsible for deciding if you're gonna follow Jesus, allow yourself to be changed by Jesus and live on mission with Jesus. Nobody else can decide that for you. It is your choice. It is your decision. And for those of you who have made that decision, what is the conclusion of the matter? It's simply this. Be prepared with light. Be prepared with light. And I think the church has an incredible opportunity right now. An incredibly unique opportunity right now. Because what happens as the world gets darker and darker and darker and darker? The light gets brighter. The contrast is greater. 
the light is more noticeable, it's more evident. And so we have a choice to make. As followers of Jesus, will we be ready not only to welcome the groom and participate in the procession of leading him to his bride, will we be ready with an answer for the hope that we have when somebody asks? Are we ready now to love and serve our neighbors? Will we be ready to love lost people? To be kind to the hurting, broken, and confused while refusing to compromise on truth? Will we be ready to bring his light into dark places? What if, instead of waiting for lost, broken, hurting, confused people to come to us, what if we made the decision that we're gonna take the light to them? Because I'm just gonna break it to you. The, the, if we're waiting for the lost to just show up on our doorstep one day, it's not gonna happen. That's where the church needs to live on mission. There's a sign as you're leaving, a new sign we put up, it says you're now entering the mission field. When you leave this property, like we're full, fueling you up, and we're gonna send you off that aircraft carrier, you're taking, you're taking the fight to enemy territory. Right? When you leave this campus, you are entering the mission field. Because while Jesus didn't sin with sinners, he did dine with them. He spent a whole lot of time with them. What would happen if you decided today, I'm not gonna wait for the lost to come to me, I'm gonna go to them? And you say, well, okay, Rob, but I'm just one light. I mean, what good is just one light going to do? It seems so small and in insignificant. You know, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then in Matthew, he turns to his followers and he says, you are the light of the world. And that word you is plural. He's saying you all, the community of faith. You all are the light of the world. Because one light is gonna make a little bit of difference. But all of our light together, that's gonna be pretty bright. That's gonna make a big difference. And one day, we, with our light, are gonna welcome back the true light when he returns for his bride. Let's bring with us as many people as possible. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for God, the, the, the sobering warning that you've given us in this parable and even for the encouragement that you've given us not to grow weary in doing good, to not be alarmed, to stand firm, to overcome evil with good and to keep watch, to be ready. God, would you help us God, would you help us to represent you well, to be ready for your return. And God, would you help us to bring as many people with us as possible. Help us to obey you, to follow you, be changed by you and live on mission with you for your kingdom's sake.
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen, church? Amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you soon. Take care.